Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And like we mentioned in this morning's program, which was dealing with the law and constitutions and and the law of nations and the law of nature and all those things, I'm 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 approaching the this topic of law and the Torah and the law of nature and nature's God. Uh, with, again, lots of rabbit trails in order to give you the lay of the land as we go. But I string through this the basic logic and reason of what law is. I mean, there there are the laws of nature, physics, astrophysics, uh, the law of motion, the law of gravity. We We have all these labels that we slap on these things. But there's also the law of morality. What's the law of morality? You know, but it's it's the law of psychology, the law of psychosis, the law of the mind, the law of the soul, the law of the body. It's all the things that regulate the function of our life and our environment. You know, the law, weatherman, the meteorology. That's that's a part of the law. I mean, hot air goes up. <laughs> Cold air goes down, uh, and there's a there's a scientific reason why that is because the hot air the molecules are more excited and they expand and so therefore they're less dense and so they go up, and so you have hot air balloons that go up because they're full of hot air. It's amazing all the politicians in the world aren't floating around over Washington D.C. because they're all full of hot air too. But that's a matter metaphor. Uh, uh, a figure of speech, so it's not really true. And I'm being a little facetious, don't want to pick on all politicians. But the re- reality is, is that there are actual natural law that controls and conducts the outcome of any series of events based on the accumulated interaction of everything from chemicals to molecules to celestial bodies to what have you. And the same is true of the mind. The same is true of psychology and and spirituality. And in essence, if we look at, you know, I made a number of uh, correlations between what the Bible said in the beginning, and I've done this over and over again where they talk about membrane theory. And then I equate the membrane theory of creation and string theory of creation, combining the two, which are neither one of them is 100% accurate because neither one of them is entirely inclusive. But I correlated to the story of a third of the angels broke off from heaven <laughs> and have been in conflict with heaven. And we, we say they have war with each other. Well, this fits the membrane theory. Uh, at least as it's espoused by atheists. Uh, but the reality is that somehow or other, these things are related. And we can draw pictures of them, and our pictures may not be exact, but it's like Paul says, we're looking through a glass dimly. We don't see every aspect 
of the elephant in the room. And we don't see every aspect of creation. We see bits and pieces of creation and we put them together and it gives us some sort of a semblance of what creation is all about. Of what nature is all about. The law of nature and all the laws of physics and chemistry and astrophysics and all these laws put together. And of course, you know, we've talked before about, you know, the electronic universe, which is a group of guys who have another theory of physics that includes more than the normal physics that everybody learned in high school and and college. And they make predictions about what would happen if you did this or what would happen if you did that. And a lot of people thought that they were completely all wet and all wrong because they're bucking what is taught in the normal physics classes in the universities. They're saying there's something more that you guys haven't seen or, or figured into your calculations. The interesting thing is their predictions work out. They actually happen according to what they predict. So they're on to something. And if we suddenly incorporated a lot of the things that they put into their theories, and uh, and they use everything from ancient folklore uh, to verify this as well as the scientific explanation. They do both in this whole general group of the electronic universe guys. But they're on to something because the science tells you that they're predicting the outcome of experiments and they're right on and all the physicists said, no, there's no way that could be. Well, the physicists are missing something. But are the physicists who are following the theories of the electronic universe, guys, are they missing something? And then if we discover what they're missing, is there something else still missing? (laughs) So there's many layers to it, and that's why we do the rabbit trails, is so that you get the lay of the land around the string of logic. There's the law of nature, and nature's God. And there's all the other sciences that combine together to give you answers about what to expect from the unknown. And that's really what, you know, the Bible is all about, what philosophies are all about. It's it's the exploration of the unknown. It's where fear comes from. It's where faith comes from. Because faith gives you a rock to hold on to while you explore the unknown. And I've given the examples of the of the the monkeys you know there were two monkeys both mothers both had little baby baby monkeys and one was a worrier she was always worried about where's my baby and where's where's the danger coming from and the other one was you know a little older maybe a little bit more laid back a little bit more calm took care of her baby but when there was a loud crashing noise or somebody made some loud disturbance both babies ran back to their mother and one of one of the mothers was still all jittery and looking around like what else is going to happen and all nervous and the other monkey was like it's okay it's just a loud noise and how did that affect the baby monkey as it grew up the two different baby monkeys with the two different kinds of mother they were affected by the nature of their mother and the way in which their mother reacted to the environment around them and and the events of the environment around them. Psychologically, the monkeys were affected by the psycholo- 
a psychological stability. We'll call it stability. Because maybe that monkey who's all laid back is end up going to get killed someday because she doesn't make a big deal out of the cracking branch behind her, which belong, is the result of a tiger sneaking up. <laughs> so maybe she's too laid back, you know. And the one that's really spooky is up in the top of the tree as soon as the tiger gets anywhere near her because she's very spooky. You know, we had uh, a bunch of cats out at uh, the other place where we have another trailer and and there's old trailers there that the cats could go in and out of and everything. And the cats fared pretty well. You know, we'd feed them, but they were mostly there to keep down the mice because out on the desert, the mice will infest everything. Well, uh, a bobcat started coming in there and started picking off the cats, sometimes two at a time. Maybe Eventually, they killed all the cats but one. One cat remained. And it was the spookiest cat. I mean, it would jump around. It would never run anywhere in a straight line. It was it was all black, solid black, and it was the spookiest cat. And then one day it disappeared. Now, we don't know if the bobcat got it, but we did get pictures of the bobcat on a game camera. But even though it was spooky, the bobcat just kept biding its time. And it seems to have, you know, black cat may have just taken off somewhere. <laughs> we don't know if she's dead. But... uh so that spooky nature, that psychology of one monkey over the other, one is not necessarily better than the other. But the key thing is they're passed down from generation to generation. And, of course, we do that with our own generations. And I actually wanted to play something, that uh, a video, uh, and you won't see it because it's a video, but you, hopefully you'll get the audio. I don't know how well it will work, but I wanted to test it to see if we could do this because there's other videos I'd like to play and talk about. And we want to make videos about questions that other people ask. And we want to answer them in relationship to seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So I, I came across this when I just thought about it and uh, I thought I'd play it. So we'll see if this sounds... That stressful summer was horrible. I've, uh, my family, whole family on vacation, whole family. I have a family. I have a family. Do you have a family? Yeah? You, what do you have? A wife? A wife, good. Have you made people yet? Have you made... Oh, yeah. You wait. I've made my own people. And I'm their leader. So when they say they want to go on vacation, I have to take them all. I have to make the whole thing happen. This is every father after a family vacation. Did you have a good time? They had a great time. So anyway, I played that. I don't know how you heard that. We'll find out. I tested whether it would record or not, but I don't know if it will go out over the air because we're actually going out over the air through the computer, and so I don't know if it's going to pick up that sound. But uh, anyway, um, we hope to do it with others, so I thought I'd play that as an experiment. And the point is, is that we make our own people. And uh, it, it's a comedian who's talking about it, and he goes on from there, and it's part of a comedy routine. But it's true. We as people, we procreate like gods other people, <laughs> generation to generation. And the kingdom of God according to the Bible, is from generation to generation. So the closer you get to the kingdom, the more you can impart the characteristics of the kingdom to your own children and to your own people. 
Because literally every family is a nation unto itself. The kingdom of God is from generation to generation. And uh, that's very important. And like I talked about this morning, the people of uh, uh, in bondage in Egypt went into bondage in Egypt with a clear contract that we will give you 20% of our labor if you feed us through this famine. If you take care of us, provide a social welfare for us that you don't owe us, we have no money to pay for, we will be your servants and we will give you 20% of our labor every year and the rest of it we will keep. 80% of our labor we will keep. Which is kind of a good deal if it also includes the fact that as other famines in our future occur, you will provide us then as well. You will you will feed us through those famines as well. If you if you can't take care of us through those other famines, if you fail to take care of us so that we might die, then we don't owe you twenty percent of our labor anymore. We're free from the contract, and uh, this is the the redundancy of God's plan. I'll, I'll give it to you really quick. Moses arranged, or God arranged, that Moses would become the heir to the throne of Egypt, to the throne of Pharaoh. He was the rightful heir to the throne of Pharaoh, which was a position of power over the people. He was the ruling judge over the people. But he went away. (laughs) He left. And we've talked about why he left, which is not what you get in the movie of the Ten Commandments. But he left, and what you get from from most pulpits. But he was like Gideon. I and my family will not rule over you because I am tempted to become a tyrant which is the temptations of Christ. The the devil says, uh, I'll let you rule over all this if you turn the stones into bread and, you know, you you become this ruler of the world. He wouldn't do it. He was was tempted by it, but not so tempted as to fall prey to it. And and we know for centuries, even before uh, we had the... the, uh, individual from England who said power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We knew that power corrupts. We can go back to ancient philosophers, power corrupts. But with Christ, he overcame the temptation. The whole story of Lord of the Rings and Gladriel is that she was tempted by the ring that gives her power. But supposedly, of course, you wouldn't know this by the new... Uh, Walt Disney presentation of uh, Lord of the Rings. But in the story, she overcomes the temptation to desire the power of the ring. And the ring has no power over him because each ring has power. And, but one ring rules them all. And she didn't, she forwent the, the power that she would get. She, she laid it down. And, of course, what Christ did. But it's not what everybody else has done throughout the ages. They've wanted that power. And the idea, we talked this morning about the fourth branch of government. We'll mention it again here. If you want to know more about it, go back and listen to the original two hours we did this morning. The fourth branch of government, that's you, the people. 
You weren't created by the Constitution. You predated the Constitution. You weren't even a party to the Constitution. You read the book Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions or some of the chapters. You can go look that up. You'll that we have online, because we have the whole book online in a PDF format. We have it online in article format. You look up, not a party. Just look that up at Preparing You. Just type in, not a party. Because the people were not a party. So we the people doesn't refer to the people and their families making their own people. <laughs> and that doesn't refer to them. It refers to the people's name at the bottom of there and the uh, people who become senators and the people who become congressmen and the people who become these other members of this government operating outside the individual states which were as foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada even after the Constitution was ratified. Now that that's basic and, and fundamental constitutional law. That the United States was not a country. The individual states were individual countries, nations. But they had an agreement where they would create this federal government that would operate outside of the states and regulate some of the things within the states, but only a limited amount. And it would have people that would be elected in each state and they would go and swear oaths to abide by the Constitution. And they were the United States. They're the only ones who could get passports. You didn't get passports for the average individual citizen. The average individual citizen owed no income tax. And there was no way to impose an income tax on them because they owned their labor. Their fingers were their own. And they were making new fingers by making new people. And each family was autonomous. In the kingdom of God, each family is autonomous. Because... Family is the building block of the kingdom. But what is the mortar of the kingdom that takes those individual blocks of clay? We might call them bricks. <laughs> you know, each family is like a brick. Because there were altars of clay and there were altars of stone. The altars of clay were the people. And each family was a brick in the altar of clay. And ten of those bricks would come together and form an altar of clay. But what was the mortar that bound the bricks together? Because, you know, the stones, they're not bound by mortar. That was one of the things. The stones just fit together. That was the whole thing about the altars of stone. They were, they were to fit together. Miraculously fit together. But there is mortar in the altars of clay, the, of bricks. Bricks are, are just clay that's a little baked by something, by you know, Jesus talked about, there's, or John the Baptist talked about, there's one who comes after me who doesn't just baptize with water, but baptizes with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And what happens when you put a little fire to bricks, or to clay? They become bricks. <laughs> so, these are metaphors, but follow the metaphor. So, each family is this independent brick. You fit them together, and something binds them together. What is the mortar? They actually talk in some places in the Bible, about binding the bricks together with tar <laughs> or slime. Sometimes they translate it slime. Uh, and, of course, now slime, that denotes like uh, gray uh, or green algae 
ridden water or something, and if you took that algae and you packed it between each brick and then you pushed the bricks together as the algae dried, the bricks would actually stick together from the slime as the slime dries between the bricks over time. But the point is, is what is actually, what does the metaphor mean? How do you bind the bricks together? You bind them together with love, love for one another. And how does that love manifest itself? Each independent, individual brick cares about the next brick. Some of them support the next brick, support the brick above them, support the brick next to them, and they form this altar of clay. And of course, if you had ten bricks, it's not a very big altar, but if you had another ten groups or another nine groups of ten bricks, then you put them together. Now you got a big altar. But they're still independent bricks fired by the Holy Spirit, that are bound together by this slime of love for one another, by caring about one another. That's the kingdom of God. I'm just giving you a picture of how the kingdom of God binds itself together because they're not bound by contract because you were to make no covenants with them nor with their gods, which we talked about this morning. What are those gods? It's the Supreme Court. It's the federal courts. It's the state courts. And I told you about a thing called jury nullification. Again, you can go to Preparing You. You can listen to the recording that we did this morning. You can go to Preparing You and look up jury. And you might even be able to search nullification, but I think just look up jury and you'll find it. Jury nullification is the power of the jury made up of individuals from each of those ten bricks. (laughs) The power of the jury... To nullify, to viscerate the laws of the legislature so that they cannot harm your fellow citizen. You can do away with the effect of that law so that nobody can try that individual again for that supposed misdemeanor or crime. I mean, there's a story out now where there's actually somebody in a state She's from Peru originally. And I can't remember her name. Uh, Tucker Carlson did a story on her. But she's, she's in Congress and she wants to pass a law where you, if you do not affirm the gender of your 12-year-old, what your 12-year-old gets to decide. You know, if your daughter decides that she's a boy... Because she's influenced by the people at public school, probably. Because most homeschoolers, that doesn't never enters into a problem. It's usually from people who go to public school. And she, but she thinks she's a boy, and she wants to have her breasts cut off and and surgery on her body to turn her into a boy and take hormone blockers that are unapproved as hormone blockers and can actually cause. You know, go listen to the Tucker Carlson. Go listen to, go do your own research. Can cause all kinds of damage. If you don't affirm her desire to do that, if you try to stand in the way of her desire to have this mutilating surgery, you can be put in jail. That's what she wants to pass a bill. This this lady from wherever <laughs> uh, I don't think it was is Peru, or Bolivia. I think it's Peru, but anyway. If you interfere with her choice, the 12-year-old's choice, you can go to jail. 
we have to have an investigation, they say, to determine whether this is, you know, a misdemeanor or a crime, and whether you'll be punishable by jail time, or in any case, if you're in jail, they're taking your kid. This is the mindset. Now, whether they get it passed or not, I don't know, but there's all kinds of things that have gotten passed over the years. The first time they would have been suggested, they would have been laughed off the face of the earth. But now time has changed, and now there's a lot of things that are absolutely legal that used to be totally intolerable and, and not even considerable. Uh, and yet now it's run of the mill. So the, they always they push farther than they intend to go today, but then they come back and push farther and farther. And you have become weaker and weaker as a people and with less ability to resist this. We see this. And, yeah, we can point to all the things that maybe the Democratic Party is doing that are crazy or the far left is doing that is crazy. But the right and the far right, they can't do anything about it. Oh, they can whine and complain and try to get your vote. But they don't have enough moral character to stop it. But the in the law of nature, the power of Christ could cast out demons, can could... Bring down evil. So evil couldn't even move. Evil fled. But your two-party system can't do it because neither one of your parties is justified. And that's part of the reason why we're talking about the Constitution is that the Constitution is not a godly document. It's not written by God. It's not inspired by God. It's actually contrary to the way of God. Now, I don't have any objection to you having the Constitution. I'm just telling you what is. And if you go to uh, preparing you and look up in Deuteronomy 17:16, you'll see explanations and links as to what you should have put in the Constitution that they failed to put into the Constitution. But again, the Constitution was not the Constitution of all of the United States. So here we are, another rabbit trail. We're going to come around and show you what I'm talking about. Because the Constitution only created three branches of government. They they created a, ju- a judiciary, and they created a legislature. The legislature creates law, and the judiciary tries law. But if you're getting a jury trial, the jury trial can nullify the effect, the statutes, of both the judiciary and... And the legislator, because of jury nullification, which is a duty, according to the Founding Fathers, of every jury. A duty to, if these guys pass a law that is not right and the justice system wants to prosecute it for, your jury can override them both and set you free. But, of course, your jury would have to have some knowledge of how they would do that. And most juries don't. <laughs> I mean, it's not hard to do. The problem is that most juries waive their right to jury nullification before they sit on the jury. And that's not the topic today. But the point is, okay, there's another branch, executive branch. And the executive branch is the one who signed the legislature laws into being. You can nullify his signature. In relationship to a specific case that you're trying. You can say, he can go free even though you signed it. The legislature 
uh, passed it and the judiciary wants you convicted. You as jurors could get rid of that. You could over, you have more power to acquit than they have to pass laws. <laughs> There's the trump card you need to know how to play. But you guys can't play that. Most of you guys can't play that because you're not free men. And in order to have a jury system, you have, need to have, that enforces law, you need to have a large body of free men. You don't have any large body of free men in America anymore. You have a large body of men who want to think they're free, but they are absolutely coveting their neighbor's goods and desiring benefits at the expense of their neighbor and have become so accustomed to desiring those uh, benefits. The, the, the masses of the people have become so accustomed to desiring those benefits at the expense of their neighbor and the habit of receiving them by the rule of force contribution. They force their contributions of their neighbors so that they can have these benefits that they have degenerated into perfect savages. They they can't come together as a people and stand up for what's right. They can't even think. Uh, not really. Because they're under a mass formation of psychosis. Now, I use that phrase there, and I used it this morning, this mass formation of psychosis. And, of course, that is a, it's a term that's actually been around for a little bit of time, anyway. And, uh, you know, uh, actually, there was... Uh, one person, uh, Jeremy Griffith, he, he said the human condition is one of a psychosis. I mean, the whole human condition is psychosis because uh, we've fallen in mind and body and spirit to the idea that we think it's okay to covet our neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority. It's okay to take a bite out of one another to get the stuff you want. It's okay to take a bite out of your neighbor so that your belly will be filled. It's okay to do that. That's psychosis. Because you don't realize that if you take a bite out of one another, which the Bible tells you in the New Testament, you will be devoured. Be careful you don't bite one another so that you don't become devoured. Well, you're devoured. Because you've been biting one another for a hundred years in America. Through the power of government. Your churches aren't going to tell you that you're doing this. They're going to say that you're saved. Because you believe in Jesus. Because you said the magic words. That you believe in Jesus. That you're born again. But you're not born again. You don't really believe in Jesus. And we know this because you still don't want to see the truth. You don't want to come out of your psychosis. Where your psychosis says that you have already made straight the way of the Lord. But you're not doing the way of the Lord. You don't live by faith. You don't live by hope. You don't live by charity. You live by forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. Even though you know it will make a slave of your neighbor. And in turn, because of the law of cause and effect. Because you think it's okay to make a slave out of your neighbor. To force your neighbor to pay for your, your free education. Your public school. You know, the public school of your kids. You say, I made my own people, but I turned them over to the public school. And the public school has made my daughter think that she's a man. And now my daughter wants to go and cut off body parts so she can never be a woman. She can never be a mother. And if I try to stop her, the government that I have created for myself 
and the gods that I have set up for myself will put me in jail because I'm interfering with their wokeness, with their gods. You see, you know, you see me lacing in the quotes from the Bible, those of you who are familiar with the Bible, that what should have been for your welfare has been a snare. You're captured now and a bondage of Egypt, although it's worse than the bondage of Egypt because in the bondage of Egypt, you only owned owed 20% of your labor to the government. You owe far more than that today. But you want to think you're free people. And you want to think you're free because the Constitution said you're free. But the Constitution didn't have anything to do with you. You weren't a party to it. The, the Bill of Rights, if you weren't a party to it, the Bill of Rights isn't about you. At least it wasn't. The Bill of Rights was written for those people who were a party to the Constitution. The people who became a part of the United States by taking an oath of allegiance to the Constitution of the United States. They left their state and went to Washington, D.C., eventually went to Washington, D.C., and they wanted to make sure their rights were not infringed while they were doing that job. When they went back to their states, they'd be okay because the states were, again, Clark, some of you as American law, foreign to each other as Mexico is to Canada, even after the ratification of the Constitution of the United States. It gives you a whole different perspective when you start to realize that. Now, Today, you are citizens of the United States. You are a party to the Constitution, but you're a party to a whole lot more. Because the Constitution has allowed the government to create the Federal Reserve. You say, well, no, you can't do that. You know, because uh, they, they don't, that was never given them the power to create the Federal Reserve. What, what, they, they had banks, early days. Now, Jefferson even talked about, you know, the, the banks, being a greater threat than a standing army. Well, the Federal Reserve is a greater threat than a standing army. But the reality is, is they could create a bank. And they can create all kinds of corporations. They can create all kinds of institutions. They have every right to do that. And those institutions have the right to print money. And if you weren't a citizen of the United States and a holder of a Social Security number... That would have nothing to do with you. That would be that bank and that bank's members' responsibility. They're issuing notes, and if they're responsible for paying those notes, that's all on them. But you join the club. Why did you join the club? To get benefits. Because I already had a habit of receiving benefits at the expense of my neighbor because I went to public school back in 1920. Yeah, in 1910, like I said, it was right around 1910, difficult to determine exactly what day. More than half the people in the United States, more than half the kids in the United States, school-age kids in the United States were attending public school. Now, admittedly, most of those public schools were heavily funded by free will offerings. It wasn't all funded by government offerings, you know, government taxation, but... That was kind of the breaking point. Well, there was something else that was going on in 1910, 1911, depending on what state you live in, is that the entire court system was moving from the existing court system 
uh, which included basic law courts of the United States, uh, based on the Judiciary Act of 1789, which we mentioned again this morning. You can go read up on it. We have an article on it. We have actually a copy of it. It's architectonic. But it made provisions in one of the sections that there would, could be courts of equity. Well, basically, your court system slid over into administrative court status around 1910-1911. Kind of both of them operated at the same time for a period of time. But now, pretty much... If you go to get on jury duty, they're going to swear you in. First, they'll swear you in to say the truth when they ask you questions. But when you go to sit in the jury box, when they finally have their jury determined, they will ask you to raise your right hand and swear that you will decide this case based on the laws of the state of Oregon, Kansas, Idaho, Whatever. When you take that oath, you have waived your right to jury nullification. Now, that's not the only way you have waived your right to jury nullification, but that is a key point where you do that. But long before, your parents were waiving rights left and right when they decided that they wanted the government to take care of them in their old age and not their children or their neighbors or their church, which is the way we used to do it in America, they waived rights. Because they waived responsibilities and they gave the responsibility to the government to take care of me. Isn't that what happened? That's how they went into the bondage of Egypt. The government is going to have to feed us because we don't have food for ourselves. We don't have food for ourselves because the guy who could have told us to prepare for this famine... We threw him into a pit of slavery and sold them into, well, we sold them to our cousins, the Ishmaelites, and they sold them into Egypt. He did all right. Anyway, because he walked with God and walked with faith. His brothers didn't. His brothers walked with jealousy and envy, and so they went into bondage. They meant it unto evil, but God meant it unto good. Not because it was good to be into bondage, but because they were going to maybe learn their lesson. And then, of course, now what happened? Moses is the rightful heir to the throne of Egypt. So the slaves of Egypt belong to Moses. <laughs> let my people go means let the people I own go. Because I own 20% of their labor. And you, you can't take the 20% without taking the 80% with you. And it, let... My people go so that we may go out and worship the God of the universe, the God of heaven. And now what does worship mean? There's another word people have to study. If you haven't already studied it, go study it. Go to preparing you. Read about it. Worship is not a good feeling about God. Worship is obedience to God. To do things the way God wants you to do them. God does not want you coveting your neighbor's goods. God doesn't want you to have dominion over your neighbor. God doesn't want you to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. God wants you to live like he was operating in his image where he gives life. He gives the power of choice to mankind. You know, there's certain restrictions, but he basically gave you the right to choose to love God, to live as God says, to take care. He gave you dominion over the fish and the 
creepy crawly things on the earth, but he didn't give you a dominion over your brother. You took that to get more free stuff. <laughs> so you have gone into bondage. So you, you, if you want to get back to where you're the fourth branch of government, the fourth branch of government has to step up to its responsibilities. You have to start taking care of the social welfare needs because that's how you went into bondage. The education, social welfare, the care of the handicapped, take care of the injured. You only have to start with other people who want to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start taking care of one another. You have to at least start with them. Now, admittedly, when the people of Israel were in Egypt and the plagues came and the government did not have the ability to save all the people, they did not have the resources to take care of the need. Their bureaucracy was probably terribly corrupt and full of lazy people. Their post office probably couldn't get the letters delivered on time. <laughs> is that is that a tip of an iceberg sticking up? <laughs> but anyway, the point is, you should be doing those things yourself. I mean, you you can't. Start your own post office because uh, they got that market cornered. You can't start your own monetary currency because you can't utter something as money. That's a, as you, I'm actually taking a word right out of the statutes because you could be arrested for uttering something as money. There are certain guys out there doing it, trying to create other forms of medium exchanges. They can do that. The church is not going to do that. Uh, the church can do some things that I won't talk about on the air. <laughs> what you need to do is sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and create a network of bricks fired by the Holy Spirit that actually care about the brick next to them as much as they care about themselves. And that is the key to freedom. Because in that process, which is going to require some sacrifice on these altars of clay and occasionally on the altars of stone, something's going to take place that is the reverse of what has taken place for the last 100 years, which is the last 100 years you've steadily gone into bondage in your courts, your Representatives have become lawmakers. Your chief executive officer has become an executioner. <laughs> and you've gone back in the bondage of Egypt, but it's worse for you today than it was before. And you have preachers that are false Christs preaching a gospel that is watered down from the gospel of the kingdom. And have delivered you by this false gospel back into the bondage of Egypt. And now famine is coming. Uh, economic breakdown is coming. We know their moral breakdown's already here. That's kind of overwhelming you. Uh, hell is empty. All the demons are here. And most of them are running for Congress. <laughs> or uh, Most of them are probably working in the bureaucracy. <laughs> so, you know. And you can't do anything about it individually. I mean, you can stand up to it. You can shake your fist at it. You can post uh, some memes on Facebook. (laughs) 
you know, making complaints. But you really can't do anything about it because you haven't done what Christ said from the beginning, what Christ commanded from the beginning, is that you love one another, that you come together with that love and lay down your life daily so that you can pick up life more abundant because you have gathered together with other people that are learning to love one another also. And that's what the kingdom of God is. That's that's what church was all about. The church is the altars of stone. And while you can unite in your local communities, I mean, we don't have a very big community here. I mean, it's actually physically, our community is huge, but the number of people here are very few. <laughs> so, but you can seek that kingdom of God and his righteousness right now if you start gathering together and religiously gathering together. Learning what it means to care about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. But unfortunately, because of this mass psychosis, which I mentioned this morning. And again, you can go look. Mass formation. Just type in the words mass formation psychosis, which is capital uh, M, capital F, capital P. Or, and when you type it out, and you'll find it. You'll probably see it right away when you just type in mass and you'll see, and I added a video there uh, where uh, Matthias Desmond is interviewed. And he's talking about the, the same journey I'm talking about, this journey of, of away from the psychosis. And he says that most people are just going to get, well, 30% of the people are going to get caught up in the psychosis. Well, he, of course, he was talking about the COVID psychosis. But... I, I'm going to talk about the freedom psychosis, the government psychosis, the constitutionalist psychosis, where you think the Constitution is your salvation. See, at the time of Christ, people thought Herod was their salvation, or Augustus Caesar was their salvation. He was the Son of God, and he was the Savior. And Jesus comes along, and he's the Son of God, and he's the Savior. What's the difference between their two messages? Caesar, Herod, the Pharisees, eventually Constantine, the Pope, most Protestant ministers, all think that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods through the power of men who exercise authority, through the rulers of the earth who exercise authority one over the other, to provide you with a table of that should have been for your welfare. David knew that was a snare. Paul says that is a snare. Paul says we have another table of which you should eat. That table is not set by force. It's set by love, by sacrifice. Willing, free will. Both are set by sacrifice. One is forced sacrifice. The other one is not forced sacrifice. If you don't go... And gather together with those people who want to seek the kingdom and start sacrificing daily, weekly, for one another to take care of the needy of their society. If you don't do that, you will not be free. You will be caught up in the psychosis of the world. Now, how all this works, you can logic it out, and I just laid it out for you. But according to... Desmond, this this 
this word uh, psychosis literally means soul illness. That's what it means. Psychosis is soul illness. Psychiatry is literally soul healing. That's what psychiatry is supposed to be. I'm not saying psychiatrists are actually going to heal your soul uh, any more than a doctor can heal you either. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they may not be able to heal you. They can patch you up, but they may not be able to heal you. What will heal you is something entirely different. But it's, it's talking about the soul in this abnormal state of, or condition. And that's what we've done, we've done, is that we've put the soul in an abnormal condition because we have felt that our soul was more important than our neighbor's soul. You know, soul being the corporeal and incorporeal hereditaments of personality. I mean, it's your right to own property. It's your right to uh, have a family. It's, it's all these rights that you are endowed with with God. That is a compilation. Together, that compilation is your soul and includes your soul. And if you give those rights and responsibilities over to government, like in the book of Revelation where it talks about the merchants of the earth having a full stock of all the stuff that you no longer own but don't have a legal title to, but it also says, and souls of man. <laughs> That's what they have. But this mass formation of psychosis, and I've had two people in the last week uh, presented to me that talk about this idea of revelation. They didn't all use revelation as a term, but they realize that the, you know, Desmond talks about the, the cause of this mass formation is one of the, it's really not a cause. It's one of the circumstances that allows it to take place. It's loneliness. And that loneliness and isolation and loss of purpose. So you, those things are kind of overlapping ideas. Because what loneliness is, is that you have purpose in caring about somebody else. That, and what loneliness is not. The antithesis of loneliness is that you care about somebody else. Hopefully they care back for you. But it begins... With caring about somebody else. You you watch a mother with her newborn baby. And the baby. She cares about the baby. And she cares about the baby. Which you When you really see her light up. Is when the baby looks up at the mother. And recognizes mom. And smiles. Oh. She cares back. The baby cares back. <laughs> so. If you were gathered together in tens, hundreds, and thousands with families that are beginning to feel the fire of the Holy Spirit, caring about one another would bring a circle of power in your midst that you don't, is more than the sum of the total of the people gathered together. If those ten people gather together with ninety other people, now you're getting into quantum powers that are not subject to time and space. And it, and this is this is why there was a pillar of fire between Egypt, the armies of Egypt and the Israelites is after they went through the famine and survived the famine because they worked together, they learned to care about one another. Now when Moses takes his people 
it will be the people of God that he's taking. Now, everybody wasn't as up to par as they should have been. Certainly, you're not all up to par either. But that's where you need to go. It would be a generation or more before the people were really Israel. And then they would, over 400 years, they would start to drift away. And it even took longer than that. But some of them started to desire, because things got too good, probably. But it would end this loneliness, it would end the isolation, it would end the loss of purpose, and it would bring meaning into the life of the individual because they were starting to make a habit, a religious habit, out of caring about others as much as they care about themselves. This is as important to your quest for liberty under God as any quest you could possibly make. It is absolutely essential. We must also move beyond the rational technocratic view of mankind. This is what Desmond says. Now, he's using words like technocratic, rational technocratic view. And, and like I said, another individual who runs a orphanage in Tanzania was seeing this same thing. That you can only see so much with a rational mind. The technocratic physical, rational mind. It can't see everything. It can't see all the sciences, all the nuances, all the relationships. But, you're going to need to depend on something else. And Desmond uses the term resonate. That you, you will only begin to see the truth when it resonates with you. If you got time, you'll go to our page on Mass Formation of Psychosis and you can play the the video, uh, there's probably an audio. I should put it up there so you can play it right on the page, but the link is there. It, it's fascinating that he and so many scientists are coming to the same conclusion that you cannot get there from here <laughs> if you only depend upon the tree of knowledge. That was kind of the message this morning. It's still the message. It's been the message since Adam and Eve fled the light in the garden. And refuse to see their error and the error of their ways. I know many of you out there have had errors in your life and confusion in your life. And you try to make sense out of it. And, you know, beware of those who are always pointing fingers that it's the government's fault. If they would just go back to the Constitution, if they would just... Now, some of you will say, well, I know the Constitution, but it's still their fault. No, it's not their fault. It's your fault. Wherever you're at, it's because of your, it's your fault. You can't do anything about other people and the temptation to try to make other people line up with what is right by force is keeping you from the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power of the Holy Spirit, that, that pillar of fire, will make you stronger bricks. <laughs> you know, I, I worked in a brick house for years, and I don't have much time. And I could continue with this, but you guys get the message, and hopefully we'll start making a lot more. I'm starting to lose my voice again uh, already this afternoon. And I may have to take a break here for a little while. I'm having issues uh, myself, but we'll try to... There's a lot of programs out there. You, when I come back, eventually... After this break, I don't know when I'll start to take it, but when I finally come back, uh, hopefully, God willing, and the creeks don't rise, rise. the creeks were Indians, and they're not talking about water, but <laughs> that's another story. 
But this, you be more of a network. You guys go out and form the network. You guys take all the messages that we put together and you go out and you share them with others and say, we have to start coming together. I want to gather with you guys over here or you guys over here because I want to learn what it means to care about you as much as I care about myself. Care about your freedom as much as I care about my freedom. You, Each of you have to be fervent in your quest to do this. Uh, fervent in your quest for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because if you're not living by faith, hope, and charity, you're not living by righteousness. If, if Even if you say, well, I don't want any of their benefits. You, how are you a benefit to others? You have to turn around. Think differently. And I'm giving you uh, hints as to what that different is. And, and basically, Desmond comes down to talking about two kinds of knowledge. Rational and resonating. He says resonating. I would say revelation. Uh, because, again, Torah, we talked about that this morning too. It can be of two two sources. It's, it's revealed law. But it could be revealed law of men or some other entity or revealed law of the Holy Spirit. How do you know the difference? By what you do. If, if you're actually caring about others, laying down your life for others, then that's probably the Holy Spirit. Or maybe. We'll see how well you do that. But if you're just complaining about the rest of the world, if you're just shaking your fist at the evil of the world, if you're just hiding out somewhere and not repenting and turning around your life by going this other way, and you have to go the other way. You have to choose to go the other way yourselves. And and until you do that, you're not going to get closer to the kingdom. You're not going to get closer to the Holy Spirit. You're actually, revelation for you will become more and more difficult. It will become more and more out of your reach. And you don't want that. But until then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.